you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It is the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got a very esteemed guest on the show today in the form of Jake Kelfer, who is a lifestyle entrepreneur, life elevator, and coach to ambitious entrepreneurs and freedom seekers, helping people to create incredibly impactful and profitable businesses. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thanks so much, Robin. Great to be here. I should have asked before, did I pronounce your surname correctly? Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Excellent. It's as it sounds, love it when it's phonetic. I should, that would have been awful, wouldn't it, if I got that wrong without asking? Uh, Jake, you talk about, and this is your your book's titled exactly the same as well, but you talk about being an elevated entrepreneur. So what is an elevated entrepreneur? Yeah, so so besides the Elevated Entrepreneur being the title of my newest book called The Elevated Entrepreneur, it is a lifestyle. It is the way that we operate to become high-performing, productivity-crushing, and freedom-achieving. You know, one of the things that has been really big on my journey and one of the things that has been really big with a lot of the clients I've worked with is everybody wants to get to that next level, right? And that next level looks different for every single person. And so we coined this term, the elevated entrepreneur, which is about helping entrepreneurs achieve their own unique definition of success while enjoying the journey in the process. And in, in terms of like becoming an elevated entrepreneur, I mean, so what what's the kind of antithesis to being an elevated entrepreneur? How do you know when you need to make that shift into being an elevated entrepreneur? So there's a common theme when we talk about businesses, right? You can be helping somebody move away from pain, or you could be helping someone move towards pleasure. The elevated entrepreneur does a little bit of both, but it's definitely designed to help people move towards pleasure, move towards their dreams into their reality. You know, when I was working with NBA athletes, the whole reason we created the the professional basketball combine, which is a previous business of mine, was we wanted to help NBA draft prospects turn their dream of playing pro ball into their reality. And now that's exactly what we do with entrepreneurs to help them become elevated. We help them turn their ideas into profitable businesses, their knowledge and expertise into best-selling books. And so the elevated entrepreneur, the, the idea behind it is it's for the person, the entrepreneur who knows they're destined for more, but maybe hasn't seen the same level of success that they know they're capable of. It's for a person that would rather live a life of oh wells than what ifs. It's a person that takes chances even when the end result isn't guaranteed. And in my book, I break it all down. I tell an incredible backstory of when I was five years old and how that led to becoming an elevated entrepreneur. And then we talk about really what is it? And there's about nine things that make up an elevated entrepreneur. Cool. Let's, let's dig into the nine things. Are you happy to share those with us? Yeah. So, so, so what I'll do is I'll just, I'll just read them. So I don't butcher them. You know what I mean? But <laughs> here, here we go. An elevated entrepreneur is someone who's willing to try, even if success isn't guaranteed. An elevated entrepreneur isn't afraid to go big, despite the fear of being judged. An elevated entrepreneur is willing to do whatever it takes because the life of oh Wells is greater than a life of what ifs. An elevated entrepreneur isn't afraid to ask for help and to be vulnerable. An elevated entrepreneur invests in themselves even when it scares them. An elevated entrepreneur pursues their definition of success relentlessly, regardless of what people think. And we got three more. An elevated entrepreneur enjoys the journey of today while creating the greatness of tomorrow. 
An elevated entrepreneur takes action to build a life greater than themselves. And an elevated entrepreneur is a champion of their own life. Lovely. And those are the things that, that really make an elevated entrepreneur. I, I hope it might be possible to get a bullet list of those that we might be able to include in the in the comments or the show notes for this, because that's a fantastic list. There was something which really struck out or stuck out for me, I should say, there, um, uh, Jake, that there was um, at least four or five of them uh, were based on overcoming fears. And that seems to be quite a major part of it, because obviously it's the Fearless Business podcast. So there's obviously, uh, you know, uh, so many fears there about fear of not finishing what we started, fear of failure, fear of letting people down and things like that, which creep in, which stop us from um, achieving our goals and dreams. So um, is, is fear a major, overcoming fear a major part of becoming an elevated entrepreneur? I think fear and rejection are both major parts of becoming an elevated entrepreneur. And, and look, here's why. In business, there's always going to be that fear of what if we don't make it? There's going to be that fear of what if we do make it, then we actually have to fulfill everything. There's always going to be some form of fear. And I think that's what's really important. And I love the name of your show is that it's not the fact that do you have fear? Do you not have fear? It's how can you approach life in a fearless way? Meaning how can you see the fear, acknowledge it, recognize that it exists and then move forward because of that fear, right? And the second part to that is rejection. Most people, when it comes to building relationships, and this is what I talk about in my second book, Elevate Your Network, but most people, when it comes to building relationships, we know that networking is super important. We know that it's, you, you know, your net worth is your network, right? But what becomes really hard is why don't we make that a priority? And the reason we don't always make that a priority is because we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of this idea as entrepreneurs that if we go and ask somebody who's a couple steps ahead of us for help, that they're going to just say no, and then we're going to feel like we're never going to get ahead. Or we're, we're afraid that what if we reach out to a potential prospect and they shut us down? Or if we pitch ourselves for a podcast and we get rejected? The truth of the matter is that if you are an entrepreneur and you want to achieve a certain level of greatness, you will face rejection. Because if you aren't facing rejection, your dreams aren't big enough. It's that simple. And so when we talk about the elevated entrepreneur, it's about moving in the face of rejection, advancing in the face of fear, because knowing that you're destined for something greater. And when that purpose, when that drive, when that result, that thing that you define as success is greater than that fear of failure, that fear of rejection, that fear of whatever capacity, that's when you're going to be able to take action. And action is the fast track to that success. Yeah, I, I've always um, been of the, the school of thought that good stuff always sits on the other side of fear. And it's through that shifting from one side to the other, that's where growth happens. And uh, just as a little summary of what you were saying there, again, a lot of it was very much about the internal value systems going on there, how much you value yourself. And actually, things are always much worse in imagination than in reality. Um, there's a, um, there was a fantastic, um, have you ever seen the Tim Ferriss uh, TED Talk, Fear Setting? I think I've seen it once before. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic, one of the best TED Talks out there, actually. And obviously, he's well known for the, being the four-hour work week and, you know, the, what that's done for, for entrepreneurship. I mean, I, I, what, how realistic the four-hour work week actually is, is begs to differ, but it's one of the best TED Talks that I've seen. But it's quite interesting when you go through the, the stages of fear and his fear-setting exercise that the, the piece and imagination where it's like things are bad, actually, the upside, the opposite side of that, once you've crossed over the chasm, the fear... The upside is always that it's like that much bigger comparatively to where, you know, that what could possibly go wrong in this instance. So do you spend a lot of time kind of, um, I suppose, 
um, getting people to a point of realizing that maybe their goals are too small and they need to just make their goals that much bigger to be an elevated entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I I think it's it's interesting because I went through this exact situation myself. You know, when I was writing my first book, I was 23 and I was writing a book on career development. Okay. And what's crazy about this was people would say, well, how can you write I had the imposter syndrome. People were saying, well, how can you write a career development book when you only had one year of career experience? Right. And I started to have this internal doubts. Well, what if I release this book and no one buys it? What if only my parents support it? What if people criticize me? What if my career ends before it actually even gets started? Right. And I had all these doubts and, and all these things. And the, the imagination allowed me to just start ruminating on these things. And then I had a conversation with my dad. And I think that this is something so important is that when you surround yourself with people that can push you to a next level, whether that's a family member, a friend, a mentor, a coach, whoever it may be. And obviously that depends on what you're looking for, but when you can have a conversation and my dad's one of my heroes and my role models, and and I'm having this conversation with him, telling him how I feel. And he's like, Jake, look, I don't know if you're going to sell five copies or 5 million copies, but what I can promise you is that when you put yourself out there, great and unexpected things are going to happen. And that was such an important lesson for me to learn is that sometimes the fear creates the inaction, but the action creates the possibilities. And so when he taught me that, it just said, it doesn't matter what the result is right now if the vision is greater. And that's how I've always really approached everything from writing books to building combines, to building businesses, to working with NBA athletes is, okay, sure. I may not succeed. I may not succeed at the level that I dream of right away, but I know that by taking action, something great and unexpected is going to happen because of that action. And that's where life becomes fun. When you start to accept that you don't know what's going to happen, but you do everything in your power to make that reality, the one you've, you've always dreamed of. There was some, there's three like pillars, which you talk about. So entrepreneurship, leadership and, and relationships. And actually, again, you've just encapsulated that journey with your dad. He was a leader. He was, you know, he is, there's a relationship there. His father, son sort of relationship, entrepreneurship, you were stepping out and doing your own thing, irrespective of kind of what other people were saying necessarily, but you also needed that nudge from dad in order to kind of, you know, again, cross the chasm. So talk to me about those, those three, um, three pillars, entrepreneurship, leadership, especially in relationships. And I'm curious, this is where we can probably segue into like your background with the MBA as well, because, um, you don't necessarily, the big NBA players, and this is going to show my lack of knowledge now around sort of American sports, but you see that the, the, the Kobe Bryants and the big, the big NBA players, they've obviously got brands, you know, you see the entrepreneurship there, but what about the, the, the lesser well-known players, you know, for example, how do they sort of exude entrepreneurship, leadership and relationships within their success? So what's really interesting here, and let's, let's kind of break this down, right? We have entrepreneurship, we have leadership and relationships. I'm going to start with relationships because I believe that we are in the business of people. I think that no matter what it is that we are doing, whether it's a corporate job, whether it's an entrepreneur, whether you're a coach, you're a consultant, you're a course creator, you're a service provider, I don't care what it is. We are in the business of people. You cannot grow a successful business without customers. Fact. You cannot get married to another person without the other person fact, right? Everything we do in life, even as technology expands is comes down to our ability to connect with people. Now, great leaders understand how important people are, not just in terms of your customers, 
but also your employees, your relationships with partners, your ability to connect with your friends and family, and most importantly, is your relationship with yourself. And so I think that it's so, so, so important when we talk about entrepreneurship, leadership, and relationship, they're so intertwined because as a leader, you can't be a great leader if the relationship with yourself isn't great. You can't inspire other people and build those relationships if you don't have the vision as a leader. And you can't create a business if you don't have the entrepreneurial background and that that desire and thirst for, for more, for creating something that will impact the world in a better way. And so when you look at these athletes and a lot of the athletes that we worked with were these guys that were right on the fringe. They weren't your Kobe's. They weren't your LeBron's. They were guys that were right on the fringe of trying to get an NBA roster spot. And what I really found was, was this, and this is related to all of these, all of the things that we've just been talking about is the people that were able to differentiate themselves to make it at the highest level were obviously the ones that had skill set, but it were the ones that were able to communicate most effectively. They were the ones that were being seen as great people to be around. Because if you're looking at a final roster spot, you don't want to take the guy with the ego who might have a little more skill set. You want to take the guy that's going to be clapping on the end of the bench, the guy that's going to be hustling, the guy that's going to be doing whatever the team needs represents a we mentality, not a me mentality. And then these people, the big, big, big difference here was they asked great questions when they didn't have the answers and they were willing to listen based on the response. And when you factor those things in, asking great questions, being a great listener, being coachable, being a team player. These aren't crazy new ideologies. These are the principles of the fundamentals. And that's what takes people from good to great and great to elevated, right? And so that's where I like to kind of go and, and how we tied in uh, entrepreneurship, leadership and relationships with our athletes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Actually, you reminded me of a, um, another book I listened to last year, which or this year, I should say, which was... Um, uh, 50 cents, um, autobiography. I don't know if you've read any of that, but he, there was one particular bit in it where he was talking about, um, cause I mean, obviously he's, you know, great franchise in terms of the deals, which he's brokered and things like that. You know, um, there was a water brand, which he was a part of, you know, which did exceptionally well. But one of the things which he talks about was when, you know, it, it was all of, you know, the, the, the life of a rapper was going out and getting drunk and doing drugs and guns and all that sort of stuff. And he said that, um, he didn't drink and nobody realized that. So he would, he would, um, they would all go out and get shots. They'd have their glasses and he would have a, either an apple juice or a, um, a water in his glass with ice to make it look like it was either vodka or whiskey or whatever. Um, but he stayed sober throughout the night when they're all out, all of his mates are out there getting drunk and things like that. And he did that to look after them, not to, not to make himself stand out, but to look after his crew, his team. And I think there's a, you know, that, that demonstrates like amazing leadership when you can look after everybody around you. And I'm guessing as well, like, especially with the NBA, when it's only a very small team, you come to rely on those guys when you're on the, on the court, especially, um, you must see that, like, you know, they must live in each other's pockets, you know, pretty much to build those relationships, to be able to be leaders and be led as well on, on the court. How did you, what's your, um, how did you get into the NBA side of things with your, with, with your work? 
So, so growing up, I wanted to be in the NBA. I wanted to be a player, but as a five, eight Jewish kid from the suburbs, you know, that dream kind of, kind of hit, hit a roadblock early on. And when I realized that I wasn't going to play in the NBA, I was like, I'm going to be a sports agent. I'll represent the best NBA players. So I went to school for that. I studied sports business. I, I was involved in the sports business association. I did all these things. And right when I get ready to graduate, the agency that was going to hire me actually goes on a hiring freeze and they shut it down. And I was like, oh, no. And, and I'm one of those people. And this is why the Elevated Entrepreneur is so real is because I'm one of those people that has this plan. And I thought at this point that success, what success I thought was, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be one of the youngest sports agents ever with a lottery pick. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to buy an island. I'll get married. And then after at that point, then I can give back, write books and speak. But I was very fortunate that that agency couldn't hire me because it made me think about what was actually important. And that made me start to think, well, why do I have to wait for permission? Why do I have to wait for a certain financial success or a certain uh, level of status to be able to go do the things I want to do? And so that led me to saying, well, where would I want to work if I can't work for an agency right now and the other agencies I'm not that into, where else would I want to work? And I end up getting a job to work for Los Angeles Lakers. So I actually start my career working for the Lakers and Kobe Bryant during his final NBA season, which I'm from Los Angeles. That's like a dream come true job for a kid from LA. So now I'm working with the team and I'm seeing the impact that Kobe has. And I'm like, I want to create this impact, but I want to do it now. I don't want to wait till I have this level of fame, status, money. I want it. What can I do now and how can I help people? That led me to writing my first book. Now, fast forward a year and I've released my first book. I've left the Lakers to start my own business, but I still wanted to be in the agency world and work with basketball players. And so I sat down again and I asked myself two questions that, that really have changed the course of my life at any crossroads is what do I know and how can I help? And when you combine your knowledge with a desire to serve, it is the foundational pieces to being able to create businesses, impact, and generate wealth. And so I thought, well, look, I want to work with all these agents. I want to work with all these NBA players. Could I create some type of event that would get me to know the agents, the executives, the media, and the players? And so that's when I ended up creating the Pro Basketball Combine, which is a secondary NBA draft combine where we helped over 70 draft prospects uh, compete in front of teams, media and agents to eventually sign their first contract, which was a game changer. It changed the way we view basketball. And it was something that was really, really amazing for these prospects who were right on the fringe. So that's how I got my start really leveling up in the game of basketball and being one of the youngest people to know people from all teams, all different media outlets, and to network with all the agents uh, who I eventually had as my customers now, not just as my employers. It's such an amazing story because, and I hope you don't mind me kind of phrasing it like this, but it's like the underdog story. You were the underdog. You had the underdogs, you know, the players who hadn't made the main draft coming in as, you know, as a secondary draft, um, uh, you know, and, and it's like, I, I think that's remarkable because I think that probably builds a lot more strength and resilience than being, you know, if you'd been handed that agency gig straight out of the bat, it could have been different because it could have been like too, too frictionless a path for you. And you, maybe you wouldn't have stretched yourself as far as you would have done. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I love how you say that because I love the underdog mentality. 
a lot of times people put the underdog mentality as a starting off as a less than right. And then you have to overcome incredible adversity to get to regular dog status, right. Or, or like <laughs> to, to achieve this. Right. But I like to think of underdog status as just this mentality of tenacity of hustle, of discipline, of grind, but not in a way that is work hard every single minute of every single day, but it's in a way of being so laser focused on what it is that you want, that you're willing to overcome any of the obstacles that come in your way. When I was five, four competing against six foot two players in, in my high school basketball, they trying to make a spot on the varsity team underdog mentality. When I wrote my first book on career development at 23 underdog mentality to make that a bestseller. When I started this combine, it was the underdog mentality. When you have agents, the fiercest negotiators in the world telling you to piss off, telling you it'll never work, telling you no, 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 no. You have to have that underdog mentality to keep on going. And so for me, I love that you said the underdog mentality. I see it as like, let's go, right? Because I'm wherever I start, I'm always going to come from a place of, look, I can be better. I can serve more and I can do something that's going to change the world. And if I come from that place and if entrepreneurs come from that place, we'll put our ego aside and stop and stretch ourselves to achieve the, the best of what we're capable of. You, you learn, you learn something different um, when your back's against the wall and you're, you know, or you're, you're punched and you're on the floor, I feel, you know, compared to if it's almost too easy, if you're winning everything and you haven't lost anything, you don't know what it feels like to lose. And I think when you know what it feels like to not, not lose, that's probably the worst, the worst word you can use ever, but you know what I mean? If you've been in that, if you're, if your back's against the wall, you know what it takes to actually come back from that. And sometimes like first place isn't winning at all. I think coming second is actually much more powerful to a human being than anything else. I definitely think there's, you know, and I'll take this back to sports because I love anytime I can put sports and business in the same, you know, paragraph or same sentence is awesome. But look, when you're playing basketball, uh, you, your biggest lessons don't come from winning 10 games in a row because that's when things are good. The yeah. lessons come from when you lose or when you lose two in a row and it's like, okay, what adjustments do we have to make? What's why isn't this working? It was working. How do we now come back stronger? And you'll notice a lot of times when you look at sports, and this is related to a lot of different sports, is there might be teams that start the season that are just crushing it. And then teams will go into a lull. Maybe they'll lose a couple of games. They'll kind of go on like this streak where you're like, what's going on with them? And at that moment, they have an opportunity to come back stronger and finish on a high note, which often leads to championships and, and really strong playoff performances, or they fall apart and they never get back to where they even started at. Our goal as business owners, entrepreneurs, people is to go up, to go down and to go up a little bit higher, to go down, to go up a little bit higher. And if you can continuously go up on average, you're going to end up with a really great life that you're proud of. But that all starts with taking action, building relationships and finding ways to enjoy the journey in the process. Yeah, there was there was something as well which um, I, I read about Steph Curry, and uh, there's a great quote in our in our local press about um, a recent game he played. I think it's the last game he played in actually, um, but a foul call went against him, and uh, he was so angry. It's like you know other players would have thrown thrown their toys out the pram, where he he was just like so angry. He just went on a 16 point like streak, you know, rampage across the court, and ended up winning. And I, ju I just think that's the way that, you know, again, when your back's against the wall, you're just going to be more determined when something goes against you to like, you know, put the world to right. And there was something else which you said as well early, earlier on, previous question about um, the money, the financial side of things as well. I'm a massive fan of you get paid for a job well done. So you got to do the job first and serve and do, a, you know, do a fab job of it. 
the money will come later. There's too many coaches and entrepreneurs out there who are just so focused on the money that they miss all of the other opportunities that are around them. And, um, you know, when it's just about paying your mortgage and putting food on your table and it's all about you, I, I just don't think you can serve, you know, as well as if the focus is just on the client, just on the person who's opposite you. Um, you know, so I have so many amazing messages in there and we're, we're fast running out of time here. I'm, I'm interested to know. So your, your books only recently, your latest books only recently been out. You've had three, three bestsellers now, isn't it? Um, yep. so the elevated entrepreneur has been out for a month. What's that journey been like? Oh, it's been wild, man. I mean, it's, it's such a fun process. You know, writing a book is an incredible accomplishment, no matter who you are. Launching a book is an incredible accomplishment. And then to have people in, in this case, all over the world, reading this book and sending me stories and pictures of their favorite interviews, because it's an interview book. So I actually, in this book, I interviewed 39 of the world's greatest coaches, performers, and entrepreneurs. And like, it's funny you mentioned Tim Ferriss because his books, Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors played a big role into why I created this book. And so this past month has just been filled with tons of podcast interviews, meeting people from all over the world, hearing people from all over the world, getting the book, reading the book. Um, the reviews have been incredible. And so for me, it's just been one of those really humbling experiences to know that the effort that I put in to create this book is being incredibly well received. And it's, it's one of the coolest feelings. And I'm just really proud of that. And we're excited to get it into as many people's uh, hands as possible. And it's literally why we made the book free. I mean, you could buy it on Amazon if you want, but if you go to the elevatorentrepreneur.co, you can literally buy the book for free. All you have to do is cover the shipping. And the reason we did that is because we said, how do we make the world elevated entrepreneurs, right? And so we had a little bit of fun with this. And um, this, this month, month and a half since it came out has just been spectacular. <laughs> awesome. I can tell you, I, I can really feel you're so passionate yeah. about this as well, about um, not just kind of the work you've done in the past, but also the future, which you want to create as well. So I, I you know, we'll make sure we um, pop a, a link to that in the um, the show notes as well, Jake. So was it the elevatedentrepreneur.co? Uh, all you've got to pay for is shipping. I don't know how much that's going to be to the UK, but hopefully uh, I, I might, I might reach out to Jake and ask for a signed copy if that's okay. You make sure you get me a signed copy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, we're, we're, we're coming up towards the end. I've got a question which I wanted to ask you, though. So um, you've obviously been, you know, there's the underdog story in there. We've talked about your your journey through missing out and working with the agency, um, setting up the professional basketball combine and kind of, you know, overcoming that adversity and now the work which you do with the entrepreneurs. But hopefully this isn't too left field a question. Um, uh, but uh, we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine now, and you're going to we're going to go back to a date in Jake's past, and you're going to have a word with Jake. So, I'll give you a moment to think about it. But what year is it, and what message would you give to Jake back then? I think it could be almost any year, and and here's here's why. I think it'd be almost any year because one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from my mom, and and just one of the biggest lessons that helped me on entrepreneurship and in life, is this simple piece of advice: is you have to live in the moment and enjoy the journey. And if you are willing to do that, and I would tell myself, make sure to have as much fun as humanly possible and make sure to take the action, even when you're nervous, because on the other side of everything is greatness. And if you can enjoy the journey along the way in the pursuit, you'll be all right. It's a tough question because you've been incredibly positive and I don't want to like, you know, take this down a notch, but is there anything you regret? I'm not a big believer in regrets. There are, there are things that I've done that I maybe wish I could have done differently, or there are things that I've learned from. Um, but I try not to, to live my life of regrets. Um, but I mean, the, the, the biggest one really was when I was in high school, 
there was a girl I really liked and I uh, was over at her house. We were watching a movie and she liked me and I liked her. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go in for the kiss, you know? And I didn't go in for the kiss. I got nervous. I panicked. I didn't go in for the kiss. So now I'm feeling awkward. She had no idea what was happening, but I, I obviously was like, oh my gosh, this is like my worst nightmare. So I get ready to leave and I leave and I, and I'm driving, I'm a mile away and I turn the car around. I'm like, I'm going back. I was like, this is it. I'm doing it. I'm going to knock on the door. I'm going to grab her. I'm going to kiss her. And it's going to be this most romantic thing ever. I knock on the door. <laughs> she opens the door and I'm like, okay, I count down and I don't do it again. Now it's an awkward situation for everybody because she's like, why are you here? And I'm like, oh, I think I forgot something, you know, and now it's awkward. And the reason that I that I that I share this as a regret, and even though it's kind of humorous, is this idea that if you never take the chance, you're never going to know the result. And I have lived my life since then, always taking the chance, even if the answer is no, always asking the question, even if the answer is no, always asking for whatever or going for whatever, or taking the chance, because more often than not we're playing games in our own head. And more often than not, if you go for it, something good's going to come out of it. And so that's, you know, if I were to say a regret, that might be one of my regrets. But other than that, I try to just learn from my mistakes and I just keep on going. Um, I definitely acknowledge the feelings of mistakes. I definitely, um, you know, am aware of when I'm up versus when I'm down and how I can go about you know, adjusting that. But overall, you know, like you said, I do try to stay upbeat and positive. Um, and I'm just very aware of my energy and how I control that uh, to the best of my ability. The, how old were you again when that happened? Yeah, about 18. 18. Senior the year of high school. The courage to turn around and go back and try again, I think is absolutely remarkable. I think there's a lot which people can learn from that. Did you get the girl in the end? No. So we never, we never, we, I moved on to college and we kind of fell, fell apart. Um, but I did ask her about a year or two later, what would have happened if I, if I wasn't such a chicken back then? And she, she said it would, she, she was hoping I would have done that. So I learned my lesson. If you have feelings, if you have something to say, say it, because like I said, at the very beginning, an elevated entrepreneur would rather live a life of oh wells than a life of what ifs. That was a what if moment that I wish I could have been an oh well or a hell yeah. Well, I, I think I think the reality is we could replace the word chicken with gentleman because I think that's what you were. You were a gentleman that evening. And I, I think there's nothing there's nothing more scary. I mean, what I was angling for with the question was like to, to find out about some time when you were in a place of fear and you overcame it, which you answered that. And I've, I've surfed 12 foot waves in Morocco and almost killed myself. I've ridden down hills at 52 and a half miles an hour on my bike like pedal bike. Um, I've driven a, a Formula Ford around a track at over 150 miles an hour. And I still think the scariest thing I've ever done was my first kiss when I was a, you know, 50, spotty 15 year old. So uh, there's every person like rooting for you here, Jake. So don't, don't do yourself a disservice here. I think you're a, a very honorable and very kind gentleman in that moment, but you had the courage to go back, which is remarkable. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, listen, Jake, we've hit time. I can't believe how fast this has gone. Good, you know, time flies when you're having fun. But um, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, folks. If you want to get hold of Jake, then do go and check out his Instagram, uh, instagram.com forward slash Jake Kelfer. Also go and uh, check out the Elevated Entrepreneur book at the elevatedentrepreneur.co website. Just all you've got to do is pay for shipping. And uh, Jake's very kindly going to send me my signed copy, hopefully in the next few days. Jake, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the Fearless Business Podcast. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you and everyone who, who took the time to listen. 